1: What is up, everybody, and welcome to the All-NBA Podcast, part of the All-City Podcast Network. I'm your host, Adam Matas, and we have a great show for you today. We are going to be previewing the very first knockout stage of the in-season tournament. We've got two great games, only two games in the on the NBA slate today, so we're going to break those down as if they were playoff games. We're also going to take some look at some bets uh, going into this tournament, and to help me do all of that, the star of the show, Tim Legler. Legs, how was your weekend?
2: My weekend was fantastic, man. It was a weird weekend for the NBA with a night with no games. Well, you know, at this time of the year, it's kind of strange. Uh, heavy football, obviously, did my share of that. But um, more than anything, just kind of preparing myself for this. And you know, this yeah. this little miniature NCAA-type tournament within the NBA season. It's kind of it's kind of cool, man. It's I don't think anybody really knows what to expect out of these semifinal games. Uh, yeah. And I think you can. You can make a strong case for, for several of these teams to win it. I think we got some of the top teams in the league that are that are alive, which is what the league wanted. So I think they're, they're getting everything they want and more.
1: I was surprised looking at it that I am into every single game, the, all four of them, yeah. and every possible combination, like whatever filters out through this. I was like, okay, that would be good. That would be good. So I do think that the NBA got it right. Um, you mentioned football. My football season came to an end. I don't know if you saw my Broncos all the way down to the eight-yard line this week. Was about to make it six in a row, back in the playoffs and everything, and they uh, come up just a little bit short. So I was back on the football bandwagon for like two weeks.
2: Uh, well, we I can started, tell you that though, my, my season ended way before that as a Commanders yeah. fan. I can tell you that right now. And it was it, it ended pretty quickly on Sunday too against the Dolphins. So, yeah, so I've kind, of, kind of checked out on the NFL right now.
1: Well, I'm, I joined you. I guess it is NBA season though. Um, pre- yeah. We are today presented by DraftKings Fantasy Sports. Check out what DraftKings has to offer using promo code all nba because life's more fun when you're in on the action draftkings the crown is yours if you have a gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER Agent and eligibility restrictions apply void were prohibited see draftkings.com for details um every monday what we do is look around the weekend only two days friday and saturday to kind of draw from but we look at a weekend warrior just to kind of give a hat tip to who performed well while we were not doing shows legs who do you have for your work weekend warrior this weekend
2: i'll tell you what and it's it's uh the pacers were pretty impressive overall collectively you know putting up 144 in the heat uh without tarvis halliburton like just go figure how does that make any sense this team is leading the league in scoring and pace and the guy that's the engine is halliburton and he doesn't play so you think okay you know maybe they have a little pedestrian 115 point night in them tonight instead they go for 144 on the road against the heat and the guy that fills in for Halliburton and comes off the bench is T.J. McConnell. He's my weekend warrior. And all he does is play 25 minutes and go 10 for 11 from the field without taking a three-point shot, by the way. He goes 10 for 11. So this is a guy that's about six feet, and he takes 11 shots all inside the three-point line and goes 10 for 11, basically on an array of layups. And he's you know he's got this little quirky mid-range pull-up lean-back oh, thing that he does. Yeah. Right, that he can get off, but he goes 10 for 11. And by the way, chips in 11 dimes as well. So 20 points, 11 assists in 25 minutes off the bench for the Pacers, replacing Tyrese Halliburton, and the Pacers go put 144 points on the Miami Heat. Uh, The NBA, man, is a a different animal now with the numbers that these teams are putting up and the pace of play. But I thought if everybody – and there were a lot of video game-type numbers over the weekend – uh, I thought that one stood out to me the most because you know he he plays he's in the rotation, but for T.J. McConnell to come out and go ten for eleven from the field and, and burn you like that, he's got to be my weekend warrior.
1: If DraftKings made uh, if they handicapped weekend warriors, Tim Legler's weekend warrior, um, T.J. McConnell off the board. They're not taking any bets. <laughs> a, very, a huge That's shocker sure. this weekend that he was going to perform the way that he did. Um, you get. The the two games against Miami Pacers Miami and you get the Halliburton career high and one and then you get one hundred and forty four without Halliburton in the next one so go figure um, that's up there for you know the Pacers winning that game is up there for best wins or most unexpected wins of the entire season mine I went with Mikael Bridges who put up forty two points and was a plus twenty six against the Orlando Magic snapped the Orlando Magic's win streak they had what was it a nine game win streak coming into that one one of the hottest teams in the NBA. Uh, and Mikael Mc- Bridges goes for 42 points. If legs, Mikael Bridges is so interesting. My hottest take that I actually believe is that the Suns trading for Kevin Durant, they, they took away some pieces of a team that I thought fit so perfectly. And that included Cam Johnson and Mikael Bridges, who just fit so nicely there. But what I never expected was that Mikael Bridges was more than a great role player. He kind of seems like he has—I don't know if he has a star like last. He was starved with forty-two points. I don't know if he's a star, but I know he's more than a role player. He's somewhere in that in-between space to me. What do you see from Mikael Bridges' upside?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think um, you know, in, in watching him in college and then as he came into the league, he looked like he was going to be a premier level three and D guy because that's he was. People were raving about his defense. He's got this incredibly long reach. And you know, very principled defensively, came from a great program at college. So he learned how to yep. play it, came in. Um, all those Nova guys are so well coached. And so yep. you knew the defense would be there. And I also thought, you know, at best, he's gonna be a, a really good a catch and shoot, three-point guy. Every now and then he could slash or get out and transition. What I did not know was that Mikhail Bridges was going to be able to add the ability to create his own shot off the dribble yep. at this to this extent. And by the way. He jumped on that opportunity pretty much immediately when he got to Brooklyn. It yep. wasn't like, okay, gets to Brooklyn and two years later, you know, he's starting to average 18 a game. No, he got to Brooklyn and like I think that week he had like a 30-point game where he was the focal point of what they did offensively. So I think that has surprised all of us. And maybe we should stop being so surprised, I guess, by these Nova guys. I didn't think Jalen Brunson could ever yep. be a 25-point score. NBA. right? I, I didn't think right. that. I, I mean. Even even guys like Josh Hart, Dante Divincenzo, like these guys yep. come out of Nova and they have significant impacts on the on good teams. That's the one thing that shouldn't surprise us. Is that you know these guys end up on good teams for the most part. Yep. They're winners, and Brunson especially, and so Mikael Bridges falls into that category. Man, they it shows you what they're doing at Nova from a program standpoint when Jay Wright was there, and 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 there are other programs that do this. Like they they acquire a ton of talent, and then those guys have to sacrifice who they are in right. college. Yeah. Right, in order to play in a forty-minute game and a team yeah. system, so the numbers aren't eye-popping at all, but they play in a ton of big games, they win a lot, and they get to the NBA and they expect that. But the one thing you don't know is how much more is there individually for these guys to grab. Well, there was a lot for Mikhail Bridges, so he is significantly better offensive player than I thought he would be at the NBA level, and I think he's still he's still growing. There's going to be more to come. Gonzaga, another one of these schools, I think that you know the, a lot of talented
1: guys go there and then all seem to sacrifice something. Um, but the thing that's in, that's impressive to me about Mikael Bridges, guys sometimes come into the league and fail as being stars and then sacrifice. He went the opposite route. He sacrificed right. right out of the 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 gate, and you think, okay, well he's limited player, he's a role player, and then when he gets an opportunity, then he expands, and you go, oh my god, you had that that whole time yet you were, you were willing to not, you know, force the issue to, to you know, make the finals and be this sure or that. So, Mikel Bridge is one of my favorite players in the league, and 42 points, man, uh, pretty impressive. Let's move on, though, because we're going to spend the rest of the show now talking about the tournament. Here's my first question. We have some general questions about the tournament before we get into the specifics of tonight. The first one is, and I'm noticing this on Denver side as I'm covering the, the rhythm of Denver most closely, This has been a fairly disruptive tournament, this part of it now, because there was no game yesterday, which is very strange to have a day off in the NBA, the entire NBA off. Most teams don't play till Wednesday because the tournament has to give space to Monday and Tuesday to be a marquee. How much do you feel? Most teams are playing two games in seven days right now. How much do you feel this has disrupted or will disrupt the rhythm of the season that most of the league is taking this little not break, but slowing down for a week to make space. In the
2: the moment, it's definitely disruptive, and it feels very, very strange. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are going to make a big deal about some of these teams getting able to rest, being able to rest. And, you know, and you know how I feel about that. I hate the whole topic about (laughs) it. But it's – I understand where people are coming from. And in some ways, it's like some of these teams are going to get, like, two versions of an all-star break because that's coming – Yeah, that's coming up here in about, what, a couple of months. You're going to have the All-Star break, and there's going to be another extended break for a lot of these teams. And then, you know, some of these guys that are participating in this, they don't get quite as long a break because they got to go for three days to All-Star weekend, and there's all kinds of demands on their time overnight weekend, and a lot of those guys feel like All-Star weekend is not really rest for the star players. But that's kind of what this feels like. Like you're taking a break for the All-Star game, except some of these teams have to continue to play. Um, so it is It is in the moment, but do I think anything associated with this will have a bearing on what happens in April, May, and June? No, I do not. I do not think there's going to be any carryover. It's too far away. Too many things are going to happen in the meantime, yeah. and we're going to forget all about this little break that some of these guys did or did not have at this time. And also, by the way, I don't think that we're going to have – It's it's so far off, Adam even if we get some surprise let's just say like indiana comes out and and they beat boston by 25 and then they were somehow to meet up in the postseason in april are we really going to look back at what happened in early december and think that that's no because these teams go through iterations of themselves as the year goes on they they do and there's different guys are going to miss significant time between now and then with injuries. And then they're going to come back and they're going to have to reincorporate themselves. And there's going to be different guys that are going to be really struggling at that time, maybe that are playing well right now. So that it, it's there's just no comparison. If, look, if this was, they played one team and everybody was at full strength and one team got the best of another, and then the playoffs for two weeks from now, no, you could probably take something from that. But I, I just don't think there's going to be any bearing. This is this is a, something that's taking place with for me in a bubble away from the rest of what we think the league is going to be that's just that's just how i it's important these guys are making it important it's really cool there's a lot of energy associated with it it's fun i'm looking forward to covering it i'm looking forward to just having to watch two marquee games you know each of the next two nights rather than having eight games on it i'm looking forward to that as an analyst i don't think there's going to be any connection to what we're going to see later in the year i don't think there's connection to that either
1: but I do look at teams like the Orlando Magic, who had won nine in a row. They lost this last one. So nine and one in their last 10. They have momentum early on. Does this weirdness kind of disrupt their momentum? That's the kind of things I think about. Oklahoma City Thunder, Minnesota Timberwolves, off to really hot starts, are in a groove with on a little winning streak. And now you take this like five days off. You play two games in eight days or whatever it is. And I just wonder if it almost breaks up the season for them and they lose some of the momentum. That's that's really more what I, what I wonder, adding a second break but I'm with you that that's, it's just a new variable in the long ebbs and flows of the season, and I'm curious to see if coming out... I'm curious if this tournament becomes a, a delineation in certain parts, and we look at the season as pre-tournament, post-tournament to All-Star break, All-Star break to playoffs, and it's kind of three different you know rhythms to the season. I could see that happening. Um, here's a good one. Do you think... I think the best success of this tournament will be when all-star weekend happens, the players that aren't invited, sometimes they'll go down there just to be a part of it, even though they're not playing in the game. But you do get a sense that there's a jealousy to like, Hey man, I wish I was an all-star. I wish I was part of that. Do you think there will be a jealousy this week of the teams that are on the big stage, you know, the big stage of this national tournament. And do you think, you know, LeBron's there, Kevin Durant's there, the Celtics are there. Giannis and Dame are there. Like the, a lot of big stars are there. Do you think there'll be a jealousy for this weekend, and it'll gain prestige from that jealousy?
2: I, if you had asked me that question before this whole thing started, I would have said absolutely not. I've changed my opinion on it. I do think that now guys are looking at this as, hey, this is this. The tone of this is taken on a you know, it's it's a right. big deal. And listen, every NBA player, especially the you know, the top guys, all star caliber guys, they all crave. That stage and that attention, yeah. and there, and there, every one of these games is an opportunity to, to 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 you know put your stamp on it to pound the gavel about who you are in the league, what's your pecking order, and outplay and outduel another star. Like, got that? Those guys are driven by that, and their gauge is each other. The top guys, the, those are the guys they are comparing themselves to. So when you sit, have to sit back, and you have to watch other guys participated particularly you know the vegas You know how big vegas is going right. to feel and you know you got saturday night abc you know i think is the championship or is that the, is that the semis and the championship i'm not sure but I, no i think it's just the championship Th- that's like that's gonna feel like man that would be that would be nice to be part of that have all eyes on that because that's what these guys live for the big moment the big stage and being the deciding factor against their peers. So, yeah, I do yeah. think so. I think there's a little bit of, of envy probably for some of these guys that their teams weren't able to make it to this point. How much prep do you
1: think will go into this from a coaching standpoint relative to a playoff game? Because there is a long, there was a couple of days off now. Do you feel strategically there's going to be a lot more? I mean, a regular season game and playoffs, one of the big differences, regular season there's a walkthrough. we got a plan, close out on this guy. We're going to run these actions. Playoffs, you're coming up with a more detailed game plan. Where do you think it's going to fall tonight for coaches? How detailed will they get preparing for these games?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's a good point because, you know, it's not a series. Series, we know, like that's all about, you know, you have the regular season ends on a Wednesday. Some of those teams are playing a best of seven on Saturday, right? Well, now we have the plan. But let's say when you get to the final eight, right? So you have several days to prepare for the first game, and then you have 48 hours or 72 hours each game right so it's just constantly tightening up against one team this is different because it it feels like a playoff game but it's only a one game so right if so to answer your question they're definitely to me they have to be as invested in it as they would be for game one of a playoff series right i do think because if not what's the point of all this if the coaching staff is right. not going to do it that way with that level of detail then what what's the point um, we already said we think the players are going to be super into it. The coaching staff will be as well. The difference is, you're gonna you're gonna pour all that time into a one-off, one one-off night, game. one game. It's almost more like a game seven approach right. is what you're really doing here, right? And the, and so you're not going to have that opportunity to adjust for the next one because the next one, if you win, is against a different opponent. So it's strange. It's a combination of the two worlds. Like you're going to get the attention to detail and the the feeling of importance. You're going to get that from a, uh, from a coaching standpoint, but then it's on to the next team with the same level of importance. And the, right. and the NBA players are not used to this at all. Um, you know, cause even if you go from a game seven, where, you know, this is the last game in a series. And if you win, you got a game one against the new opponent. Yeah. But you've got another best of seven coming. And right. so you can, you know that even if you lose the first game because you didn't have a lot of time to prepare, and that happens all the time. When a team's in a game seven, they win it, they lose game one the next round. Right, they didn't have right. enough time to prepare, right? They're a little bit more fatigued, a lot of time if a team's sitting there. But you're okay with that as a coach. Okay, we dropped the first game, it's fine. We've got plenty of time to adjust now throughout the series, and if we're the better team, we're going to win it. Not necessarily the case here. And you might not even be the better team and win in this situation right. because on right. a given night, some teammates factor. 21 yeah. threes right you're going home i mean and it doesn't mean that you're not the better team but that's not what this is about this is about being your best for 48 minutes on a given night so that's well what i think so- even
1: one of the things i'm thinking about here legs is i think there'll be more play calls than typical You know, in
2: a typical regular season game, you have your package
1: of plays. You have your sets you kind of get into. In a playoffs, it's a little bit more detailed. No, we're going to run these plays. We want these people in the action. We're going to run it this direction or what have you. And I kind of think we'll get that tonight. Just a little bit more. Not a full playoff level, but a little bit more of this is exactly how we're going to attack this team tonight.
2: I like that. I think closing out quarters is going to be more important than it would be in a regular season game. You're going to see a little more emphasis on that kind of thing. Not allowing that 6-0 run to end a quarter. You know, right. end of end of quarter possessions. You're going to see certainly. I think the game slow down in the last yeah. six minutes of the game. That's going to feel more like a playoff game. You know, and, and you think about it, what are we really talking about here? Like I, it's it. I think the best comparison is it is a, to a Christmas tournament or a some sort of tournament yeah. in college. Yeah. I get that's happening yeah. during the season, right? But it's before conference play, which is what all these teams really are playing for is to try to win your league and and get to the get to the tournament but you have these little tournaments like you have the shamanah like pre early season tournament hawaii then you got the christmas classics like yeah. so all these teams enter these and you want to win it because that feels really good and it could be a confidence builder and some momentum builder going into the season but at the end of the day the bigger prize is later so that's kind of what i think this is going to feel like to a lot of these teams i think there'll be a little bit of pressure and then the one question
1: i really wonder is how many minutes are these guys going to play i mean a starter tonight, which starter or, or how many minutes do you think the top starter will play tonight? Luca, by the way, on Saturday played 46 minutes in, a, in just a regular season game. So maybe it's just it's not that crazy to think that they're going to go to a playoff rotation for an in-season tournament game. But what do you expect starters to play or star players, I should say, to play tonight?
2: Yeah, it's funny. The Luca game. So they ask the game with the 30-point run. You know Dallas that's goes a thirty zero run, setting an NBA record, and I don't think Luca would have played that many minutes, but they just kept scoring, and I think they're love going. <laughs> Wait a second, we're, like we're gonna if as long as we're continue to score and cut into this lead, we're gonna leave them out there, and ended up being a big number. I think you'll see guys tonight, like you'll probably see some of the top guys get if it's if these are close games, probably exceed forty minutes. Man, I'm not gonna be shocked crazy. by that. I mean, yeah, it's 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 crazy cuz now when a guy plays 40 minutes in a regular season game, like we can't believe what we're looking at because most of them, you know, you're going to top out at about 38, you know, and yeah. a lot of times 34, 35 for the top guys. No, I'm not going to be surprised if we got one possession games here inside of 5 minutes if you're going to see some guys get extended runs and maybe not get a break in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, start that period and play the whole thing, which will push you closer to 40 minutes. Again, if they're not going to treat it that way, and a little bit differently from a coaching perspective from a player perspective from a minutes perspective and i mean what's the point of all of it i and 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 that's what i think the league would like to see like i utmost importance and that might mean some guys get extended
1: yeah all right let's take a break on the other side let's start to get into this now celtics pacers is our first game tonight that's going to be a great game um let's get into some of the details and really start to uh preview this and talk about x factors best matchups, and what it'll take for each team to win, uh, as well as the latest on Halliburton, Jalen Smith, and Porzingis. But first, NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is celebrating with an unbeatable offer. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for throwing down $5 on the NBA. Win or lose, it does not matter. You'll start the season with an instant dub with DraftKings parlays, you can put multiple bets together for an even bigger payout. Basketball is more fun when you're in on the action, so download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code All NBA. New customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly for betting just $5 only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code NBA. Later on in the show, we're going to be looking at uh, the odds for this uh, one, MVP odds and every team and what th- those odds tell us about how Vegas expects this tournament to go. Uh, But DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, you can call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY, that's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas and a licensed partner Gold Nugget in Lake Charles, Louisiana, 21 and older age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issue. And see sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
0: Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on.
1: All right, back here. Let's dive into these games now, Legs. The Celtics come in, according to DraftKings, as five-point favorites in Indiana. Remember, this first round is played on location, so the Pacers, the higher seed in this one, they get the home court. Porzingis, I believe out. I have not seen the latest, but he has that calf strain. I don't think they've ruled him out, but I think he was expected to be out. Tyrese Halliburton has been questionable. He, of course, missed that game we talked about where T.J. McConnell replaced him. I'd be shocked if Halliburton doesn't play tonight. I would bet he plays. He was dealing with a knee bone bruise. Uh, Jalen Smith, a.k.a. Sticks, is out for tonight's game. So that's the – you know, poor Zingas obviously becomes a huge X factor in this if he plays. That's a that's a major difference. But let's throw him out for the moment. Um, legs, I'm going to start by asking this. What is the Pacers' advantage
2: in this game? Well, listen, first of all, I I want to talk about Halliburton real quick because I think you're right. You know, they listed him with a bone bruise and also an upper respiratory infection, right? So for me, if the bone bruise was significant, they're not even talking about the respiratory infection, right? They're not even going to mention that. The fact that they're saying, you know, this is really probably the reason he's not playing. He's going to be out there. I'd I'd be very surprised if he doesn't play. Porzingis sounds a little bit more questionable, which is a big deal for the Celtics because I think where the Pacers have an advantage – is is obviously with pace and what they can do to you defensively boston can be the one of if not the top half court defensive team in the league when the game is slower but the pacers aren't going to allow that to happen the ball gets advanced off the dribble and up the sideline through the air and they're going to force you to get back and try to make this a game in which shots are taken in the first six eight seconds of the shot clock as much as possible you now Halliburton is a big part of that. So assuming that he plays, that to me is 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 where the biggest challenge comes in for the Boston Celtics. Your defensive commitment to getting back and taking away early quick threes and early quick dribble drive kicks and 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 Boston is equipped to do it, but it takes mass maximal concentration. And, and if you're able to do it, yeah, you're going to have your way at the other end. Indiana's not a very good defensive team. And if you remember, the first time these two teams played earlier in the year, right. Boston put up 155 points. The answer, right. Yep. I said, I'll say it again, 155 <laughs> points they put on the Indiana Pacers earlier yep. this year. So that's the, the key is, can the Celtics not make this a situation where you're trading baskets? If you get into that, you're going to come up on the losing end against a team like Indiana. You've got to have chunks of the game. You know, four-minute stretches where the pace is slowed to the point where now you have the advantage defensively and knowing that you're going to be able to continue to operate and score on the other end of the floor. So that's – I think we're going to watch early in this game. If the Pacers come out with 35, 40 points in the first quarter, that's a really bad sign for the Celtics. I think that the Pacers need a early lead in this
1: one. <clears throat> now, if you ask me, I think that the Pacers have a pressure advantage, meaning the Pacers are playing at home. They kind of have house money. The Celtics, I think, have more pressure on them and higher expectations, you know, to kind of go here. And so if I'm the Pacers, I look at this and say, we're having a great year. We play our style of basketball. Let's go out there and let it fly and and see what happens and put some pressure on. So I think it's important for them not to get behind in this game so that they can play freely, shoot the ball. The Pacers are one of those teams that when they start making them, as we saw on Saturday, once they start making them, they don't miss. So I think getting an early rhythm playing at home, those things are major. I actually think home court will be a pretty sizable advantage for them tonight for that very reason. There should be an extra energy in the building um, tonight, and I think that'll that'll play in their favor. Um, what about the Celtics? What is their advantage in this game?
2: I think that, you know, and, and Porzingis was a big part of this. I, I think that they have they, – they listen, they have a team that can attack them across multiple fronts. They've got a ton of different weapons – that they can go to, they're going to win individual matchups against Indiana. Uh, the the key is, I, I think Boston's the best team, has been the best team in the NBA to this point. I mean, that's their advantage. Their advantage is that they play both ends of the floor. They are yeah. capable of beating you in a in a game in which you know neither team is is playing particularly fast because they're Correct. they can yeah. be so good defensively. That's that's if that game if the game looks like that, Indiana at a massive disadvantage. If if we're not noticing how quickly the ball's being advanced and how you know how easily Indiana's operating offensively. If that's not a talking point in the first half of this game, completely agree with you. We're gonna know, I think, how this is about to go. And that that's Boston's biggest advantage. They've got better defenders across the floor. They've got a you know a number of guys that play equally hard on both ends and create problems for you. So that's why Indiana can't make this situation where they're running a ton of sense. It's gotta be Get the ball up the floor, a lot of high ball screen, and a lot of make you chase the ball and not catch up to it. That's that's yeah. when they're at their best. They're just flat out going to outscore you. Boston's advantage is that they have a team capable defensively and not allowing that to happen.
1: So what are you watching for in this game? And again, kind of how do you predict the rhythm of it to go? What's the
2: most interesting part of this matchup? For me, the key is going to be, I think, you know, if if again, let's assume Halliburton plays. The holiday Halliburton matchup, Yep. Right, how much Drew Holiday can wear on him and slow him down? I mean Halliburton, you know what he what he's doing right now. He's making this look so simple and so easy every night. It's really starting to blow you away. Like the numbers that he is putting up, and so that that to me is what I'm going to be looking for: freedom of movement for Halliburton. How kind of kind of a groove does he get into? How easy is it for him? Um, and and then look for for Boston. I think you're going to need without Porzingis, you're going to need some X factors, right? Because Porzingis is that guy that. Miles Turner is probably a nightmare to have to play against because Miles Turner is a great rim protector. Miles Turner's inclination on ball screens is to drop and get right. back to the rim when guys turn the corner or he sees penetration. It's just the way he's wired. That's what he wants to go do. Well, that's really difficult now when you've got a guy in Prazinga standing out there at 28 feet. Now Horford can also shoot threes, but it's going to yeah. be a little bit closer and easier to recover for for Turner. So. I'm looking at, you know, without Porzingis, is it a little bit easier night for Miles Turner to have an impact on, on, on the Boston Celtics and the way that they operate in the half court? But I think overall, Boston should be favored. But here's what's crazy. When you look at the eight teams involved, Adam, and you say, you start ranking them in terms of who is this most important to, is it more important to anybody than the Pacers? Why? Why do you to think that? You know, well, I just think because look, they're a ten and eight team, and and look, they, they can outscore you certain nights, and and they're they're a really fun watch, they're entertaining. Nobody's looking at this team as a as a team that can make that can do serious damage. If you got into a seven game series with Boston or Milwaukee, I don't think anybody thinks that's the case. They're not going to scare them or threaten them. Milwaukee or Boston, we all believe would win those series. Maybe even you'd think that about Philadelphia as well. But for Indiana, you know, if you beat a team like Boston. And then, you you know, you beat a team like Milwaukee. And now these are the top two teams in the Eastern Conference. And you find yourself in the finals in this thing. Like, I think it could propel you into believing you're maybe even better than you are. And, and that could do wonders for a team like this. So for Boston, for the Bucs, for the Suns, for the Lakers, it, probably even the Kings, I think you're looking at this as like, there's a much bigger prize that really yeah. matters to you that you've been talking about since training camp started. I don't think the Indiana Pacers have been talking about winning an NBA championship, like internally. I don't think that. And maybe they won't still after this, but I just think it's going to be a little bit of the, the, the arena. Like it means a little bit more, I think to this crowd and to this team to be hosting this game against a team that's 15 and four, but you get home court advantage. It's you know, you're not going to get that with the playoffs start. If you were to play this team, so, so do I you
1: disagree put- with me that I think that there will be less pressure? Because I was thinking that that meant there'll be less pressure on them because they'll play more free. But it almost sounds like you're saying it's more important to them. So do you think they'll be playing with more pressure than the Celtics?
2: Well, I, there's a difference between importance and pressure. I, think. Okay. For, I, I really believe that. So I think for the Pacers, it's collectively important. But I also feel like they absolutely have the approach that they're playing with house money in this thing against these juggernauts we think about it who they would have to go through if they were to win this thing you're talking about beating three teams that are expected to win an nba championship this year and you could that's what it's going to take so for them it's very much like house money and so therefore they're all going to play loosey-goosey and relaxed and free but with a ton of energy the pressure is more on the teams that were expecting to end up in the nba finals right and you get bounced in in, in the first game by the indiana pacers like that's a lot of pressure i think if this is a close game for jason tatum to deliver down the stretch right for for kevin durant lebron and their matchup like that's more pressure than anything that anybody in indiana is going to feel because they don't really feel like necessarily or most people don't view them as being in this category like what doesn't belong here when you start listing the teams that you're expecting to win at all indiana's in this tournament but we don't put them in that category so i think they're going to be loose actually it's important but they're not going to feel the pressure. And they maybe that gives them a little bit of an advantage.
1: I agree with Grace Jay in the in the chat here. Uh, says, I think Indiana will play harder than anyone else. I kind of think that's true too. I mean, part of this is they have some guys that play tough and play hard anyway. I mean, Bruce Brown always kind of goes 100 miles per hour. But I do, and they're having the home court advantage here. I think that there'll just be some energy behind them. Do you, let me ask you about an X factor. Who are the X factors in this game on each side? Two of them.
2: All right, so I'll go with Indiana first. I'm going to go with Obi Toppin. Um Ooh, for a couple okay. reasons. One, he's going to get he's going to get a considerable amount of time guarding Jason Tatum. And when Obi Toppin came out, you know, when he came, came came into the league, I thought this was a guy that the Knicks got that could really turn into a nice two-way player. And and he really struggled in New York to find himself. The minutes were sporadic. His shooting was sporadic. I, I wouldn't call him a bust in New York but I don't think right. that they felt like he lived up to where he was selected he's had four 20point games in his last eight the pace has helped him you know he does he's not a guy that's going to create his own shot very much in a half court game against like when the game slows down and so playoffs might actually be a little bit more of a challenge for him mm. if it slows down or a grinded out type of offense which New York was a little bit more this has suited him right he can get out and transition He's a good finisher if you throw it ahead and he can simplify his ball handling to two dribbles and get to the rim. He's turned himself into a pretty reliable three-point shooter. So his best offense that he has had as a pro is happening right now. And on top of it, he's going to be a guy that's, that's tasked with guarding Jason Tatum a lot and has the physical profile to be able to do it. So I'm looking at Obi Toppin. On the other side, I'm looking at Horford, particularly with not being there. Al Horford is capable of having a 20-point yeah. night, you know, making five threes again, taking advantage of Miles Turner inclination to run back to the paint, protect the rim. That would have been Porzingis. And I thought I would have thought Porzingis could have a really big game against them. Well, now maybe Horford doesn't have quite the upside as Porzingis on a given night, but for one night he can have a 20-point game. And so I think Horford is a guy, extended minutes, he'll play 30-plus minutes, he's going to get a, a certain number of open three-point looks, and if he's shooting well, and making you pay where Turner now has to think about staying closer to home, that's going to create a lot of easy driving opportunities for Tatum and Brown. Horford can
1: shoot it. I mean, you know, there are nights when he is on fire from the three-point line, and it does change the entire texture of what they're trying to do. I love your point about Obi Toppin, though, and I didn't – as you were talking, I looked this up. He has been in double figures in five of the last six games, seven of the last nine – um, and he's scored 20 points in each of the two games against Miami over the weekend So, uh, or last week. So he is, if you look at it throughout the season, he is obviously having a very good year, scoring about twice as much as he did uh, in New York. But also it's increasing. As the season has gone on, he has started yes. to have more and more double-figure games and 20-point games. So he is on the upswing. Um, and to a degree that I did not notice until you mentioned that—that's that, that, a really interesting one. Um, he is listed though as questionable for today's game. Rolled an ankle against Miami. I think he'll probably. I think all these guys are going to play. Honestly, if if there's a chance he could play, you play tonight.
2: I'm asking right. Adam in life we all questionable. We're all just questionable. I mean everything's <laughs> questionable. I guess that's like the perfect to sum everything up.
1: Yeah, I'm day to day personally, but um,
2: <laughs> I'm, w- probably, what do you- I'm probably. I'm probably. Right now improbable (laughs) how do you think this one goes what's your prediction Uh, i'm gonna pick the better team which is boston um and it really comes down to that i mean what are you saying if you don't think boston wins the game so unless you just think that it's that much more important that indiana hits them with an energy level because of, of how they treat this um as opposed to the celtics and i just don't buy in I think the Celtics' top guys also are reveling in the opportunity to have these stages, man, and the lights. And they want to, they want to see this thing through. And yeah. for Boston as a team that hasn't gotten it across the finish line in the Jason Tatum era, you know, every year they're right there banging on the door and they've played in the finals. They've been to a ton of conference finals. They haven't really gotten it done. So they haven't won anything meaningful since Jason Tatum has been there. This would be a meaningful thing. And I think Boston's going to treat it with the same level of importance that Indiana is. So I'm going to go with the better team. They they just, they defend better at their best. I think they're going to have their way scoring. And as long as this doesn't turn into a flat out track meet where this thing is, you know, 70 65 at halftime, if that's the case, Boston's in trouble. I I think this game has to be more like Boston, you know, 58. 52 at halftime like something like that they can can bomb you out too adam don't get me wrong boston's capable of making 23s in a given night they shoot a ton of them i don't think that's the kind of game you want to play against indiana uh where these things are coming fast and furious because the pacers are better suited for that than the celtics
1: i want to be brave and bold and go with the pacers but i'm not going to Um, uh, well, well, I will say this, they have been some big wins for the Pacers this year, you know, in some key moments, like that Miami game is a great example of it, but also the tournament game. You remember they played Philadelphia and kind of got smacked and then they played them a second night. Only this time it was the tournament game and they bounced back. I I was like, oh, 76ers are going to smack them again. They're just the better team. They're too big, all this stuff. And it's like, no, the Pacers played inspired knowing the game meant something and they get the win. I kind of think they have big game energy to them just collectively. The group of guys that they have, you know, Halliburton, Bruce Brown, there's uh, Matherin. There's guys that are, to me are just like moment guys on this team, but not enough for me to feel comfortable picking against the Celtics. And also there's who has blowout potential in this game has more blowout potential. I think the Celtics probably do. <laughs> you don't want, I don't want to go on record saying I think the Pacers are going to win and it'd be another one fifty five one Oh four game. <laughs> Like it was the other day, which is right. definitely on on the table. Let's move to the Western Conference game tonight. This might be my favorite one of all the games in this first round. Pelicans at Kings. Now this one, Legs, these two teams have played twice this year. Twice. I think we have a graphic for this one, Emma. Um, they played the first time and... The Pelicans beat them 129-93. to It was a dominant performance. They killed them on the inside, out-rebounded them 55-36. Ingram went for 31. Zion, you remember, 26 points on 12 of 16 shooting. I don't know if you remember this game, uh, Legs, but it was dominant for the Pelicans. And then they had a rematch, one of those back-to-backs. They played a second night, more of the same. This was a closer game, but 117-112. Zion went for 25, Ingram 23, and Fox 26. This was a closer game. So... The Pelicans, I don't want to say they have their number, but one thing the Pelicans do is they get points in the paint. If I talk about, we just start with the Pelicans. Their advantage in this game is points in the paint. They're ninth in points in the paint. The Kings allow the 20th most, and they can win the interior battle of this matchup, just given their size. Harrison Barnes versus Zion, that's a mismatch.
2: No, no doubt about it. it Zion you know, is capable of, just breaking you down repeatedly and what that does, you know, he puts you in foul trouble. He breaks you down with having to provide extra bodies. And now that, that, that opens up three point shooters. He's gotten better at finding those guys when there is traffic. He's, you know, look you know, we talk about X factors all the time in these games, and he is unto himself an X factor because of the unique style of, of the way he plays and the, and the level of efficiency he has in the paint. The guy just doesn't miss once he gets downhill and makes up his mind to shoot. Um, and and it, it's demoralizing, right? The way he comes at you physically. Having said that, I don't necessarily think Zion always plays with top flight energy. It's not like every night Zion yeah. comes and he's intent on doing that kind of damage. I think he he has minutes and stretches throughout the game where he's sort of shuffling up and down the court and not necessarily intent on beating you t- to that extent. So if you look, if he treats this like a playoff game, he treats this with that level of importance, yeah he's capable of having a 35 point night you know going like 15 for 18 from the field like he's 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 strange with these stat lines what he's capable of doing and then valanciunas is another guy that can absolutely hurt you and you know with his size and his ability to finish yep. in the paint the kings are not particularly big up front um and so that is where they have the advantage you know sacramento it's sort of like indiana they have the advantage if it gets into a track meet. There's no stopping yeah. De'Aaron Fox. And De'Aaron Fox can single-handedly just run possession after possession uh, with his speed and pace. And, you know, they've, they've got a number of guys that are X-Factors with their scoring and shooting um, it, it, off the bench and even in the starting lineup. So I agree with you. I think Suns-Lakers and this one, These are my those are my two favorite games um, of these first couple of nights. This one... Really, this could be highly entertaining with the talent on the floor. And I could see this being one of those games that's like comes down to the wire. So you mentioned the transition game, which I think is,
1: you know, obviously a big part of it. The Kings, when they get you in transition, the Kings might be them and the Pacers are two, maybe the two best teams at getting in a rhythm. When they're in a groove, it's just like snowballs and they feel like they go on these extended runs. But I think the bigger advantage for the Kings tonight is the, from the three-point line. The Kings are fifth in three-point field goals made. The Pells are 27th. They just don't make a lot of threes, uh, the Pelicans as a team. So you're talking about a paint points battle that's in New Orleans' favor and a three-point battle that is heavily in the Kings' favor. They've got to bring their shooters tonight. The Kings, the Kings are one of those teams that is le- prone to cold spells, and then they don't look like the team that they look like at their best. But if they do shoot the ball well tonight at home, you know, that's a huge advantage where they
2: can just create too much of a separation. No, you're right. And look, here's the thing with the Kings, they're they're top scorers. And you're talking about Ingram and Zion in particular, but they're not three point shooters. Zion right. hardly ever takes them. Brandon Ingram is a mid-range killer. Yeah. So, you know, and even when CJ McCollum plays, CJ McCollum, he's yeah, he can he can certainly make threes. CJ McCollum is a phenomenal mid-range pull-up jump shooter. So when you look at, contrast them with like Sacramento, I mean, Darren Fox will take a good number of threes. There are other guys that you're counting on. They take a lot of threes. Even looking at the last game we talked about, the top guys from Indiana and Boston, like their top scorers shoot a lot of threes themselves. The Pelicans' top guys don't. Right? They're going to beat you a little bit differently. So I agree. Look, I think they make four more a game uh, than New Orleans. And you know, on a given night, you know, if the Kings get hot and make 18 and the Pelicans have a cold night, they make eight. You're not overcoming that. It's just too big of a disparity uh, to overcome that. So I think that's a good good catch on your part.
1: Well, let me Look give you a stat that- on it real quick. Hold on,
2: a, one second. One second. Sorry,
1: Legs. One, when the Kings make, I just pulled this up. When they make 15 or more threes, they are nine and one. When they make four or fewer, they are two and six. So it's a huge, for them, I think it's a, they're almost not t- totally dependent on it. But their offense, it is the best barometer for whether or not they are playing well. Are they making shots?
2: No, it's and and if, so who are they? Who are going to be like the key guys for you know the Sacramento Kings? Like so we, you know, it's it's those guys that are they can be a little inconsistent, but yeah, man, they can be deadly. Herder, Malik Monk, like guys like that. Yeah. Those guys are both capable of making four or five in a game. So. If, that's 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 a good point. I mean, that's I think it's going to get pretty good indication. Um, if if the Pelicans are making threes, importantly, but I think more importantly, how are they defending the three point line against those role players? That's going to be a big factor in the game.
1: Who is your X factor uh, on
2: each side of this one? Well, I think for the uh, Pelicans, I'm going to go with Valanciunas. Um, okay. I, I just I think he's you know he is so can be so dominant some nights um, with with his combination scoring and rebounding. He's always going to be a pretty good rebounder, but those nights when he's also hitting you for twenty, because again he's finishing at a super high percentage, and the number of times that you're just taking the ball out of the net with between Zion and Valanciunas, like what they're doing to you in the paint, and also he's got to offset Sabonis, and we've seen it like right. size can bother him. Uh, Sabonis is a powerful player. But it's not like he's playing super vertical all the time in the paint. And length, if you play him correctly with your hands up, like you can have an effect on Sabonis. So I think Valanchunas is a guy that I look out going to be huge. And I think for the Kings, it's Malik Monk. I think Malik Monk, you know, as he goes, a lot of times the Kings go, when he's giving you that supplemental punch and he's got, he's got a hot hand, they're going to ride that. It seems to open up a lot of things for them because now it's a whole other level of guy that you're dealing with besides just Fox and Sabonis. And mainly Fox. Now you got this guy going off who's right. capable of getting his own shot too. So I think Malik Monk, his ceiling is so high that if he has those big scoring nights, tough to overcome that. If you're the Pels, and I think the Pels with the size advantage in the paint, Valanciunas would be the guy because his he can fluctuate. He can have an eight point game, he can have a twenty-five point game. So let's see which version of him you get. And and we mentioned the
1: matchups a bonus Valanciunas, The battle of Lithuanians. You know, these are guys that are familiar with each other's games. So You know, that does create – I don't know if that favors Valanchunas because, you know, obviously usually you would say Sabonis the better player so he should have the advantage, but maybe it's one of those things where it's like, hey, who knows you best? The guy you've played with quite a bit, you know, uh, at the different levels. So um, that should make for a good one. I'll tell you my favorite matchup in this game, and I don't even know if they'll go necessarily head-to-head guarding each other, but it's more about two guys who make an X factor for each team, and that's, as you mentioned, Malik Monk and Jose Alvarado on the other side. Both of those guys, Alvarado is one of those guys that also wins games, not not in the same ways that Malik Monk does with you know volume scoring or this or that, but he does make plays and disrupt and raise the intensity and get under guys' skin. And so I look at both of those guys and say, if one of them has an imprint on this game, the fingerprints are all over this game. That team has a heavy advantage. Um, what, what do you think about Alvarado tonight? I
2: think that's a great call. I think you know he's one of those guys that I have noticed. If you're talking about Alvarado after the game or during the game while you're yeah, watching they, it that's a really yeah. good sign for the Pelicans
1: Pelican right? because won, yep. if,
2: if, yeah because if he's not playing well or not a factor it's it, it might not even have um, an inhibition on their ability to win but when he is a factor and we're noticing how much he's irritating ball handlers right when we notice you know these couple of these ridiculous hustle plays he'll come up with that sometimes a, a, you know one play by him is the equivalent of like, it's the same thing I used to say about Bobby Portis in Milwaukee for some reason. When, I, when I'd be in the building, when he would play, one basket by Bobby Portis at home is worth five baskets by any other player. And the reaction, emotional reaction that the crowd has to him, and if Alvarado's kind of that guy, what he does for his team, everything he does is magnified because you're noticing him. So I think that's a good one. And also, you know, you're going to see him Go up against a guy like De'Aaron Fox. Like he's gonna get minutes against Fox. And his Alvarado just bothers Paul Hammer so much. He's such an irritant right. for guys like Chris Paul and Steph Curry. Don't want to deal with that kind of thing. Watch, you know, how quick De'Aaron Fox is, because Alvarado is probably the peskiest, maybe on the ball backcourt defender in the NBA. And, yeah. and I'm curious to see if that does that have an effect effect on a guy like Fox, you know, who just puts guys in his rear view mirror so easily with his with his acceleration. And I'm really curious to see. If he has the effect on him, I think he'll have the effect on other ball handlers and a guy like Malik Monk potentially, but I don't know about Fox, but look, the, your point is bigger. If we, if you're noticing Alvarado during the game, really good sign for the Pelicans because he he can be a difference maker with momentum. And they Pelicans
1: also, by the way, got CJ McCollum back, got Trey Murphy back. Those guys played last week. They did take the last game off, but I'm curious what you think about that one, Legs. Those guys, both of those guys are such big pieces. Obviously, McCollum's a starter, and then you have Trey Murphy, who I just love as a wing. Those guys only having one game under their belt, you know, coming into this one, they're good players, but th- how does that affect the game tonight in each direction?
2: Yeah, definitely, you know, it's a little bit more difficult to to be in rhythm. Uh, probably more concerned about it for Murphy than I would be McCollum, just because, of yeah. you know, you know the number of games he has on his number of big games, how good he's been in big games before, um, and and one thing I say about guys sometimes that 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 get some rest because of an injury, you know, it's it's not the worst thing in the world sometimes when you play a big game, man. For the for a veteran player that's dealt with the emotions of of that stage, which McCollum has, you feel so fresh, like your legs feel so much fresher than other guys. It can be a real advantage. Even the year I said this about Curry, the year the Warriors won it a couple years ago. You know, he missed a chunk of time in the spring. And I was like, this could be the best thing to happen to the Golden State Warriors. Because when the playoffs start, you feel different. You don't have that long, you know, season-long grind on your legs. And it can help you. That, that could be the case also for a guy like C.J. McCollum. Just even a little bit of rest can make you feel a bit uh, fresher. And you know that he's not going to be affected by the moment or the, or the pressure of shot making yeah. and something like this.
1: I I feel like the Pelicans are the most two faced team in the NBA. I think they're I think they're one of the better teams in the NBA. You, I, we we raved about them a couple weeks ago, but you mentioned this at the very top. You kind of never know what you're getting from the star players. Sometimes they're the best players on the court. Sometimes not so much. Um, all right, how do you think this one
2: goes? What's your prediction? I'm uh, going with the Kings. Um, I, I think. They also like Indiana, and I didn't pick Indiana to win because I just think Boston is significantly better. But in this case, I think these two teams are very close at their best. Um, I I think the Sacramento Kings are a team that that I think this is more a little bit more of a statement in there at home, and it's a little bit more of a statement game for them. I believe, you know, based on the year they had a year ago, and then you lose in the first round of the playoffs. And and look, this year they they start off the season. They don't have De'Aaron Fox to get him back. They hit their stride. I think this is important to them, man. They want to be a team that's in Vegas in that final four with some of the big boys on the block, right. And, and put themselves into that category. I think it's important for them. So I, I, I'm going with Sacramento in this.
0: The first taste of rare bourbon. You finally got your hands on. That's nice at caskers.com. We make this experience easy. Caskers is a one stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive, sought after, rare, and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.
1: It is interesting that they lost two in a row. I think I'm going to take the Pelicans in this one in part because I believe in the points in the paint advantage. Like, I think that is a thing that every time these two teams play, they're going to have the advantage in at around the rim and getting to the rim and putting pressure on. The three-point shot comes and goes. The pressure of tonight's game, I think if it's close going into the fourth, there's going to be pressure on three-point shooters to make their shots. And I just trust. And then on top of that, the Kings are one of my – you know, this Kings one of my favorite teams to watch in the NBA. We've been raving about them. The Pelicans, they're so neurotic – but their best punch, they've at their best, the Pelicans have looked as good as just about anybody in the NBA this year. It, they're just so inconsistent. I'm going to predict that tonight, having their full complement of players, I think they're going to look really good tonight. Um, and, and so I'm going to take the upset in this one. The Kings, by the way, right. on, on DraftKings are four-point favorites. So Vegas is with you.
2: Um, one thing I'm going to say tonight, I'm going to make a prediction. I'm going to predict 40 points for De'Aaron Fox.
1: Okay. Um, I like that. I think-
2: I think I think the guys that he's going to be calling over, like for these ball screens, he's going to be getting, it's a nightmare for for, for some of the bigger guys on the Pelicans to have to defend on those switches. Valchuna Zion at the top of the list. Um, and he's gonna get a ton of those. And he's the, the pace he's gonna play with fast up the floor, with and they're not necessarily two guys that are gonna be in, in a dead sprint ahead of the pack, getting back. I think Fox is gonna get a lot of opportunities early up the floor. And I, I just think he's one of these guys, man, that is proving every single night he wants to prove that he deserves to be in the discussion for like the top guys in this league. And I think he he sees a moment like this to, to make this his own stage. Um, and I yeah. think De'Aaron Fox has a big night. I think it's going to be very tough to contain him for New Orleans. He's a guy that I think
1: he has a lot of respect. Everybody thinks he's an incredible player. He's a guy that might st- still be a little underrated I mean I'm watching oh, him the other night against Denver he's just this is this can be a big year and he needs these stages to kind of get a chance to showcase just how good he is um agreed. let's wrap this up by looking at the uh, tournament as a whole and looking at our partner for the show Draftkings and who they have uh handicapped for this one the Celtics have the number one odds plus 300 the bucks are right behind them I think we have yeah look at this graphic here shows everything plus 300 for Celtics plus 450 for the bucks the lakers at plus 550 third there is there a value bet you see on the board here tim that that you like of all of these uh these numbers probably phoenix plus 650.
2: Uh, yeah they're a tough one to uh they're a tough one to gauge man because you know you, you got the durant factor you know you're you know you're you're talking about now you shrunk this thing down to three wins three performances you know, yep. Kevin Durant, man. Kevin Durant's a hard guy to bet against in a situation like this. I mean, they're not a full strength. Um, and I think that you know, their defense can still be suspect. But, man, it's Kevin Durant. And so, you know, to see them as like the fifth pick, basically, out of these eight, I don't know. That might be, for me, the value. I, I think the two teams at, at the top, I, that's probably where I'm leaning. You know, Celtics or Bucks, Um to to win this thing but man i see kevin durant sitting down there and it's, it's almost like the sun's a little bit of an afterthought a lot of people don't think phoenix is even going to get by the lakers in the first game ah man i don't know you want to bet too much against kevin durant that's kind of a scary proposition you don't want to bet against lebron too i think that
1: game is just so big so massive uh for whoever comes out of it this here's the thing man the suns are eight and two in their last ten And a lot of that is because they got Booker back in the games that he played. One of those losses came without Devin Booker, you know, to the Denver Nuggets. Um, The other one came at Toronto on a night when Devin Booker shot two of 12. So I I just look at that one and I go, the Suns, especially in a regular season setting, have proven to be phenomenal when they have both Booker and KD. I don't know what their record, I think they've only lost one or two games total in the regular season when those guys have been together or something like 18 and two or something like that. So I look at that and say we might be sleeping on just how good the Suns team is in the regular season when they have both of those guys together. Um, It's tough to bet against LeBron for me. I think that first matchup, it's tough to bet on them just because that first matchup will determine it. But I'm with you. If I'm just looking at value bets, the Suns at plus 650 are number one. I kind of like the Pelicans at plus 1,200 only because, like I said, that Pelicans team to me has – Three or four games this year where I watch them and I go, oh, that's a top-tier team. They can be a top-tier team on any given night. Now, they have way more games where they're nothing close to that. But their best punch is really good. And getting all of their guys back right before the tournament could be one of those things where we get the best out of them. All right, let's go to the MVP odds. Emma, what do we have with MVP odds? Jason Tatum, plus 450. I mean, that tracks if they think the Celtics are going to win, the best Celtics player. LeBron, plus 650. Uh, what do you see on the board here that you like?
2: Well, I'll tell you one thing that's surprising to me. Okay, so looking at the Bucks, that you would have Lillard oh, yeah. as more as more uh, likely to be MVP than Giannis.
1: Yeah, see, I
2: look, and I look at it like this: if the Bucks win this thing, it's going to be Giannis. And the reason is this, like Giannis isn't going to have ga- a game where he gets like 14 points, okay? He's, he's, and so my point being, they're both – let's say Lillard plays great. Giannis is is even on bad nights, he's getting like 28, 14, you know, however many yeah. assists, total difference maker defensively. It's almost inconceivable to me to think that they could win it if Damian lillard is the mvp because that would mean that he out thoroughly outplayed Giannis to that extent which that means to me they can't win it if that's the case so that's a little bit surprising like i would think automatically if you think the bucks i think they're listed as the second favorite to win the whole thing if that's the case then i would think Giannis would be a little bit higher up that chart than where he's listed which is the fifth most likely to win the mvp that's surprising to me i think it's interesting too but at the same time i
1: kind of understand it look People value offense and notice offense more than they do defense, and we have seen in a lot of clutch games for the Bucks this year, where's the ball? It's in Lillard's hands. And and it's not in Lillard's hands necessarily as a facilitator. It's in Lillard's hands as a pick and roll scorer, and he goes off and as great as Giannis is, if I envision what the Milwaukee Bucks winning this tournament looks like, it probably looks like Damian Lillard making a lot of threes in the clutch. It's just in my in my mind. And so I I kind of agree with how they've handicapped that, because I think that the Bucks are going, like, I think Dane would probably just shine. Even if he's not more impactful, it just would shine a little bit more. But it is interesting. And by the way, it's a little bit of insight into the MVP race overall that they think in this tournament Damian Lillard has a better chance. Well, what does that say about Giannis' chance anyway at an MVP? He's an MVP candidate right now for the season. Does that mean that – You know, maybe he's viewed just as like, yeah, he's really good, but now it's Dame's team in some weird way.
2: or like they just look at it like, well, you know, they they, look. The Bucks did win a championship, and Giannis dropped you know a fifty spot in you know fifty points in the biggest biggest game of his career in the NBA Finals. So it's not like he hasn't delivered, and he finally broke through after a couple years of disappointments as the number one seed overall. And they they got beat by Toronto. They got beat by the Heat you know, injuries played a little bit part, but in to Toronto, it was like Giannis just really failed to come through. Well, he broke through that. He led him to a title. Yeah. He was sensational in doing it, but it's almost like now, okay, th- th- it's been a few years and now they're looking at like, well, Damian Lillard will be the reason and the guy to get you back there and to get you over the hump because he's going to be the late game decider. And if both of these guys put up big stat lines and, Lillard is the guy settling matters and he comes through at least once or twice out of the three games they might have to play. Maybe that would be enough to tilt it that way. And also that might be the same thing that people are going to look at in the postseason. Is Lillard the guy that gets them through the tough spots in potential playoff series once they get there against teams like Philly or Boston? So I think that's a good point on your part. Does that mean that, that no matter what happens with the Bucks, people are going to look at it like, well, this is more about Dame and what he brought to the table than about what Giannis has been really doing his entire career there. It's kind of interesting.
1: Well, that does it for today. It's going to be great. I can't wait for this tournament tonight. Both games are phenomenal. This is like four and a half, five hours of great basketball tonight. Oh, yeah. I'm going to watch him live. Sometimes when we're doing the show, I'll I'll tape them or or, or whatever, or go on Synergy and watch them. Tonight, I want to watch them live because I want to be part of the conversation as it's happening, and I can't wait for that. Both of them are phenomenal games. Um, It should be interesting. That does it for us, guys. Everybody that watched the live show, we had a great chat going today. A lot of people interacting with the show, which I love to see. We're seeing all of those. Um, We appreciate it. Do us a favor and hit that like button for us, and don't forget to share the show on social media wherever you are to help us grow it and grow this audience. Thanks, everybody. See you tomorrow.
0: Uh, mm. the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy